Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s, finding out what happened to her or your in the game, sister. With hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles, the next clue is always within reach. Search for hidden objects from the parlours of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Each chapter uncovers a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve, and I've had a lot of fun. Currently on chapter 7, making progress little by little, tapping away on my phone to get all the puzzle pieces in place. While searching for the murderer, or whatever happened to your sister, you get to decorate your own island with gardens and buildings and chat and play with other Others by joining a detective club. It's a lot of fun and very social. I play while I'm on the train. It keeps me active between my journeys to London and I love the time limits that are pushing me to find those clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, once you start playing in, in food or in water or in the power grid, you know, anything to do with transportation systems, the list goes on and on. I mean, it is, it's lethal. It may not have the same horrifying results of a nuclear attack, but in the long term, you can basically dismantle a country. Ladies and gentlemen, lock up your laptops. As y'all know, I've just got a southern drawl there. As y'all know, I've been writing a book about the sludgy of secrets, partly because I can feel very much that secrets are fast becoming extinct. It used to be far easier to keep them because no one was listening in, or at least fewer people were. And then we had Orwell, George that is, worrying about Big Brother in the 1920s. But even he couldn't have imagined sex robots listening in on our orgasms and pillow talk. I'm sure somebody will write in to say that Orwell did indeed imagine those things, but in any case, that's what's going on today, and things are about to become even more surveillanced, surveilled, surveillanced, and observed, until the privacy of one's own head will no longer be a sanctuary for secrecy. I've been fortunate enough today to have been given the chance to talk about hacking, computer security, and the future of online spying with Adam Levin of the What The Hack podcast, on which I will be appearing myself. So do check it out. It's a really cool podcast where cybersecurity expert Adam Levin discusses hacking, crypto scams, embarrassing cyber stories, and all the rest with co-hosts Bo Friedlander and Travis Taylor. It's all a lot of fun, and Adam is a lot of fun to talk to, but this is important too. It feels like it happened overnight, but our lives and the secrets within them moved in a matter of years from the privacy of our own homes to being splashed across pages of the internet. I used to worry about viruses and silly things back in the 90s. I had the Norton anti-thing and the McAfee anti-thing and and all these things to stop any viruses getting in and ruining my football games and making my computer slow. But now, everything from our credit card passwords to our extramarital affairs and, you know, whatever else mad things you're doing are all written across the screens of our computers and other gadgets. They can all be leveraged as blackmail and extortion and your life can be ruined in an instant. The pirates and hackers are finding more and more ingenious ways to break into your computers and other gadgets, which nowadays really means breaking into you. Fortunately, Adam is here to dispel certain myths and to help us prepare better for the inevitable hacks. We all think, why us? Or it won't happen to me. But that's not quite how it works, as he will explain. Check out Adam's podcast, What the Hack?, and follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore K underscore Levin. Let me know what you think on Andrew Gold underscore OK on Twitter and Instagram. 
Adam Levin has a similar issue to me in that his name is very similar to a pop star. Mine is an exact replica of Andrew Gold, who sung with the Beatles, and his hits include the Mad About You theme tune, Lonely Boy, and Thank You For Being A Friend, the Golden Girls theme tune. But Adam is one letter out from Maroon 5's Adam Levine, an even bigger star, a huge star. So if you were looking for some sort of Andrew Gold, Maroon 5, Adam Levine mashup, you may be disappointed. But at least you'll learn how to keep your computer and your life a lot safer. You're on the edge of cybersecurity with Adam Levin. How are you doing anyway? You good? I'm good. I'm good. The, the world is good. I'm Well, the world is not good, but I'm good. So People often um, mistake me for my, by, my, by my name for a singer called Andrew Gold. Have you heard of him? No. He was like quite in with the Beatles. He's American. He was a singer back in the 80s. He died. Uh, he, was, he was very young. He was in his 50s. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, be- I'm beginning to think. Yeah. 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 Thank you for being a friend. And I know I have a little issue with people going, so uh, when they, you know, first contact me, so so like you're Adam Levine, right? I go, uh, no. <laughs> That's why I bring it up. <laughs> so you must have had a similar thing. I can't get that guy off the first page of Google results. With me, I, he killed my Google Chi completely. There I was rocking along, consumer affairs, savior of the Western world, and then this guy had to come along. I can't believe it. But It's a different spelling, isn't it? But is it, is it the same pronunciation? Is it the same Levine or Levin? I'm pronounced Levin, like seven, and he's Levine because he has an extra letter. He has the E at the end of his name. Do you think he's ever approached by people thinking it's you? I'm sure often, without question, say, aren't you that cyber guy? He goes, eh. <laughs> There are, there are ways to get people off the first page of Google, aren't there? I, I was reading a book uh, called So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson, and he talks about all these people who have been shamed online, and they go to certain companies and pay loads and loads of money to get that stuff off. So presumably there must be a way for, you, like, for us to get on to the front page. Yeah, well, those companies, will, you know, they produce a lot of positive things about you, so they push the negative things about you down to irrelevance, sometimes page three or four. Uh, so it's always good to know how to how to do that. Reputation.com is one. Abine, A-B-I-N-E is another. And I'm sure there are others that show up every minute of every day because in the cyber world, it's like a, a new adventure every minute. I mean, Israel alone has 7,000 cybersecurity startups. Wow, Israel's one of the big sort of startup capitals of the world, isn't it, Tel Aviv? They are. Cause, and a lot of the guys, they, because they all come out of the military, and a lot of them are very adept at technology. So, and the unit, in fact, we have some friends out here in Phoenix. Uh, it's called a Unit 8200, and that's where a lot of the technical guys come out. It's interesting, and they all go in, into cybersecurity. Is that the future of warfare and the the that's how i saw it all going and then we've looked at ukraine and russia and from a, a sort of amateur perspective my own a lay perspective it looks like it's all like 1930s um you know tanks and people almost fist fighting in the trenches um but i presume there's a lot more going on behind the scenes yes i mean there were reports of attacks on the financial system in the ukraine on the communication system in the ukraine and uh I mean, Russia a few years ago knocked the Ukraine off the internet. If you remember Estonia back in 2007, they had a number of days where they were just off. And they got so upset about it, justifiably so, that they committed that they would become the top uh, digital country in the world. And they did. And it, it they have very, very sophisticated identification systems and systems running all of their different uh, critical services. Uh, we used to have an event uh, when I owned CyberScout, we had an event called the Privacy Exchange. We did one in Lisbon and the, the former uh, president of, the, of Estonia came and actually talked about what happened, how it happened and how the country was committed to really upping its cyber game, which they did. And now they're considered, you know, 
one of the premier countries in the world when it comes to cyber. And what does that mean? Is there a way to explain it to, to people like me who don't really understand all the cyber world, how one country becomes better at cyber than another? Well, they beef up their defenses, they beef up their offense, they, they have an identification system in the country which is able to more accurately identify you as you and stop others from pretending that they're you. And, uh, um, you know, it also has to do with how well they protect their government agencies and the businesses, uh, what kind of cyber protections they put in place, and the commitment of the country uh, to cyber. You know, it's like anything. If you commit yourself to a regimen of, of health-related hygiene, well, this is cyber health-related hygiene. And, you know, we, hopefully we can get into that as, as we go on uh, uh, the show. But the whole point is you have to do things differently. You have to change the way you look at things. You have to assume that there are very bad people out there who are looking for only one thing, how to take whatever you've got and use it for their benefit. And then uh, this is something that you do, like you would go to the doctor, the dentist, uh, any number of medical providers over the period of a year in order to make sure that you were healthy. Well, it's like cyber hygiene. And, you know, you have so many people say, oh, God, I'm so tired. This breach fatigue, everywhere I turn, there's another data breach. So the question to ask is, you breathe, right? Yeah. Well, do you ever get tired of breathing? It's the same thing. This is, this is how you function. Well, if you're not practicing proper cyber hygiene, you will become dysfunctional and you will become vulnerable and then you will become a victim. Hmm. I feel a bit like, you know, those dogs that when you try and give them a pill and it's for their own good, but they keep spitting it out. And no matter what you say to them, you can't convince them it's for their own good. Because there are so many, I mean, just to sign in to look at my podcast analytics uh, with a, com a company called Megaphone on their page, you sign in and I want to say something to them because it's winding me up so much. Every time I've got to like pass a bunch of tests and it's like, tell us where the tell us where the zebra crossing or what do you call it in America? Not a zebra crossing. You call it a pedestrian crossing. Where, where's How many bikes are there? And I'm like, is that a bike or a motorbike or, or is that a Vespa? You know, and I'm like, I just want to access my stuff. And then and then that's not to mention, you know, Google, Gmail, every minute, I, every time I try and sign in, it's well, not every time, but if I'm on a different computer, it's, oh, we're, we're sending you a phone and it's like well no but i've just moved country so i don't have that phone anymore <laughs> it's a disaster well i know two-factor authentication yeah that's a big deal but you almost you almost have to do it recently uh i'd given a speech to a group of uh real estate agents and one of them contacted me a couple of days ago and said you know I, I can't believe this but the timing was amazing because just after you gave your speech uh, my gmail account was hacked and i said Tell me about it. She said, well, I have two Gmail accounts, one that I use for business, one that I use for more family-related things. I had two-factor authentication on my business-related Gmail account, but I didn't have two-factor authentication on my family account. And I said, which one got hacked? She said, my family account. And I said, you know, this, this is why many people think that it's a real pain in the butt to do these things. But sometimes the a little bit extra effort that you take uh, initially is going to save you a staggering amount of unpleasant effort that you're going to have to take down the line. And, you know, to put this in context, you have to look at this, I call them like the four overriding principles. First, breaches, data leaks, data compromise has become the third certainty in life behind death and taxes. That's the way it is these days. The second thing is, and part of why this is happening, is because we all know about surveillance societies, but we're living in a surveillance economy. And that's where anything we do practically is being eavesdropped, tracked, information being reported back. I mean, the 35 billion, that's Dr. Evil, pinky to the lips B, billion Internet of Things devices tracking us, listening 
from Alexa to HVAC systems to baby monitor systems to a smart mattress cover that will uh, turn the coffee pot on, turn the air conditioning uh, up or the heat down. Uh, it gives if, if somebody hacks it, they're going to know what your patterns are when you're sleeping, when you're not sleeping. Your refrigerator, where you can look into when you're in the supermarket, that will tell you if there's food in there or not, what you need to get. These are the kinds of things, and the list goes on and on and on. The big smart TV, where uh, I remember Samsung issued a warning, which is if you don't want it listening, maybe you should disable the microphone function. And the, you know, so they're all there, they're all doing their thing, and our information is out there. Not to mention the fact, look at some of the most iconic breaches in the world, like Equifax a couple of years ago, right? 150 million people had all of their sensitive information exposed, all of it. So it's out there. Our information's out there. That's why these breaches are th th certainly in life. I was, I was reading uh, sex toys as well. Oh, yeah. I, I love them. The, the, the remote uh, vibrator. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean... It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So the only reason why you haven't become a victim is not that you're uninteresting if, if you haven't been a victim, but simply they haven't gotten around to you yet because they have such a huge inventory of people they can get. And, and plus, two other things. One is we all have day jobs. We work, we do podcasts, we run companies, we work for people. We're writers, we are involved in educational activities, we're raising a family, involved in philanthropic activities. We're busy, we're distracted, we're focusing on what means something to us. But that's our day job. But to a hacker, a scammer, an identity thief, we are their day job. And, and, and the final note is, how many people do you know who will say, why would anybody care about me? or a small company going, we're just a little machine tool company in the middle of the, of the country, just doing our thing. Why would anyone want to hack us? Why would a state sponsor be interested in us? Well, when we look in the mirror, we see us. But when a hacker looks at us, they see the queen. They see Jay-Z, Beyonce, uh, Sharon Stone, Adam Levine, because we got what they want, data, financial information, or, and this is a big or, we're the tributary to a larger river, which means they really don't have their eye on us. They have their eye through us because they're looking to get our parent, our child, our sibling, our, the company we work or an organization with which we're affiliated, but we're the way in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. My mum got one the other day, uh, a scam that was almost a bit of a throwback to an earlier time that was like, hi, it's your son. Um, I've lost my phone. Um, I just And it was quite uh, elaborate because it didn't ask for money straight away. It was just like, can you send a few photos because I, I've missed my photo or something like that. And my mum immediately picked up that it wasn't from me or my brother because, uh, you know, we don't we don't send her messages. No, we do. Of course, we do. We love our mum and we <laughs> we talk to we talk to her. But um, she could tell by by the you know the the syntax that it just wasn't us. But she soon found out that I think two or three of her friends did get done with this scam and gave thousands 
to the, and some got it back from the bank and some didn't, but they gave thousands because they thought it was their kid. Why they didn't ask, you know, call their kid's normal number and say, is this definitely you before I give you all this money that you desperately need? I don't know. But they got caught. I guess that's an old, was that, would that be an old fashioned one now? That seemed like to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, that's lovingly known as the 419 scam. I mean, my, uh, my former mother-in-law, uh, she got a phone call from someone representing themselves to be my stepdaughter that she had been in a car accident, which, of course, terrifies any grandparent or parent, and that uh, she rear-ended somebody and she was in jail. Uh, so there was instant panic. Luckily, uh, my former sister-in-law was there and she was in the insurance business and she said, Ma, nobody goes to jail for rear-ending somebody unless they're hammered. This must be a scam. Turned out that was a scam. But the way they presented it was, uh, in a few minutes, you're going to get a call from the bail bondsman. The bail bondsman needs $2,600 to bail uh, your granddaughter out of jail. And, you know, please follow the instructions of how to do it. So they have that. They had the, oh, the kidnapping scam. That was another one that uh, you would get a phone call from someone claiming to be a kidnapper, claiming they had your, your wife or your child. You would hear screaming in the background. You would go into a panic. And they would say, now, what you're going to do, and we'll stay on the phone with you. That's the first red flag. Do you know any kidnapper that wants to stay on the phone? It's like <laughs> they want to get off the phone. We'll stay with you. You'll go down to your closest ATM machine. You'll take out X number of thousands of dollars. You'll leave it in a bag, and you'll put it in the trash can located here. And they would talk to somebody as they drove to the ATM machine, and people would fall for it. Uh, so... And, and if you look at all the scams that, that we see, whether they're COVID-related scams, job scams, uh, ransomware, all that, a lot of them are the same scam, just simply wrapped up in a different package depending upon whatever the issue of the day is. I mean, for years there have been charity scams uh, where they represent themselves to be from an organization you think you know, they ask you for information. They ask you for your credit card information. It sounds like a normal charitable solicitation. Well, the one this year that's gaining a lot of traction is the Ukrainian scam. And that's where, you know, people want to help people in the Ukraine. So when they find charities or get contacted by charities representing themselves to be helping the Ukrainian people, people fall for it. And so that's why, you know, in the old days, it used to be trust, but verify. Today, it's never trust, always question, always verify. It's quite sad, isn't it? What's like the most uh, modern or egregious or strange way that people are being scammed today? Well, again, seizing on whatever the issue du jour is, or the because no hacker, scammer, or identity thief ever wasted a good crisis. Um a lot of the crises over the past couple of years have been COVID-related. Uh, first of all, people were obsessed about updates on the progress of the disease. And sometimes they didn't realize that the first thing you find on Google may be a fraud. It may be that scammers have been paying for it to gain relevance. And then people go to it. And then by virtue of that, it keeps getting more and more and more relevant. So first it was updates. Then it was, they were contacting you to say that uh, someone you know uh, had COVID and you had been somewhere where they were. And as a result, this was part of their COVID tracking. And the whole point was that you now need to isolate yourself. And they would start asking you more and more questions about you. Or they would say, you know, if you, if you pay some money, we might be able to help you isolate less. Uh, then after that came the uh, information about the, the vaccines and oh, scheduling testing. That was another big one that they used is that, uh, that since we know you've been exposed, uh, let's schedule a test for you. We need certain things from you, certain personal information. And, and, you know, the tests aren't free, so we'd like your credit card. And then after that came the vaccine progress and then the vaccine uh, uh, scheduling. And they never failed to, to miss one. As part of it, because the world was shutting down, you also had the unemployment compensation scams where 
uh, many people, including my sister-in-law, she got a notification from the state she lives in, Colorado, and a state she's never been, Ohio, that she had applied for unemployment compensation. And she said, I never applied for it. I, I have a job. I don't need it. But and, and they stole billions upon billions of dollars from the state unemployment coffers, which to me is a special ring of hell should be reserved for these people. Who are these people? Do you have a sense of... Like, I can't know. You never imagine them, do you? You imagine them as sort of digital nothingness in the ether somewhere. Well, there are, you know, there are four types of hackers, uh, the main ones. There's state-sponsored. We know all about them. Russia, China, Iran, Iraq, North Korea. Um, and then we have what we perceive to be the good guy state-sponsored hackers, which would be the United States, Israel, Britain, France, things like that. But then again, it depends whose viewpoint it is. As to whether they're the good hackers or the bad hackers. Um, you have the for-profit hackers, and those can be uh, the ransomware guys, as well as those people who would break into systems like one of the most iconic ones was Target, where someone got into the Target systems and uh, compromised 110 million people. That's a shop, isn't it? Target in America. Yeah, there's a, a, another. Ashley Madison was another one like that. Do you remember that the, the cheating website? Oh yeah, and and that was allegedly a uh, a cause related hacker, someone who was extremely upset about the morality of Ashley Madison, and they and they were upset, and they could have been a former client of Ashley Madison, but they were upset that you paid money to be deleted, and you weren't deleted. You were still in their systems. And so someone said, well, okay then, now let's see how you feel about this. And 37 million people got exposed. Uh, and then, of course, it came out that a majority of the contacts on Ashley Madison where people thought they were women were actually botnets. They weren't women. Uh, so that really got people very upset. But then a year later, Ashley Madison was rolling under another name and doing very well. I was on that list, the Ashley Madison list, because I was doing a, a, a documentary out in, in Argentina about infidelity. Um, so I sort of, with my girlfriend's permission, sort of went on there to try and find somebody who we could meet and film for the documentary. Um, but we didn't, we couldn't find anybody. And it's probably because, as you say, it was mostly bots. We couldn't find anybody who would actually talk proper sense and come and meet me to to do on to be on the film. So when that list came out, I never had a proper look at it, but I'm probably on there. My name is probably on. Because I said, I'm a journalist. This is, who, you know, I was very clear and upfront about it. Um, but I did get a bunch of emails saying, we know you were on Ashley Madison. We'll tell your family and all this stuff. And, I'll, you know, well, good luck to you. <laughs> And your response is, they'd be proud. Um, <laughs> but so you, you have that. And then, of course, you have the final one that uh, a former American president that most of us would prefer not to talk about. The comment he made was, well, it could be a 400-pound hacker operating on a mattress in the basement of his mother's home in New Jersey. And these are the guys who do the hacking for the, for the joy of being able to brag to their friends and peers uh, look what I just did. It's almost like the movie War Games, except he was just trying to figure out if he could get in. And unfortunately, he really got in. So, um, you know, the, these are what happened. And then, then you have also the deep fake guys who can create things that sound realistic. There's a story, and it was in Europe, where a CEO of a portfolio company got a phone call from who he thought was the CEO of the parent company, telling him that it was very important as part of his commitment to the family of companies is that he wired 200000 to this particular account. He did. Later, he ran into the uh, corporate, the parent CEO, who said, I, I never contact. I don't know what you're talking about. But the money was gone, and soon he was gone. Uh, and we've had story after story in the U.S. about, about that, it's, it's a form of what we call business email compromise, which uh, last year cost people billions and billions of dollars, where you get a communication from someone you believe is a, is a manager within your organization. Uh, and it usually comes at the end of the week, at the end of the day, asking you to wire money somewhere because it's critical 
that a relationship be kept alive between your company and a vendor or a client, whatever. So they wire the money and then they find out shortly thereafter that they made a huge mistake that that did not come from anybody they thought was in the organization. And if, if you think about it, it is incredibly easy now with LinkedIn, for instance, to determine who's in an organization because they list people sometimes by organization or find out who else in this organization is also on LinkedIn. And so they study it and they figure out the chain of command or people that would be, it would be normal for them to be communicating with other people about certain subjects and they communicate with them. And then someone will either send the wire where they shouldn't be sending a wire or they'll click on the wrong link or open the wrong attachment. And, you know, as a defender, you have to get everything right. As an attacker, you only need one crack or crevice. And sometimes it's as simple as someone clicking on the wrong link. And that can bring down an entire company. And depending upon where that company sits in the national security hierarchy, you could be jeopardizing national security of a country. I suppose that cause version, uh, version, people doing it for cause, would that fit in with Snowden, uh, Edward Snowden and Julian Assange? I think that would be part of it. Also, uh, uh, collectives like Anonymous, uh, you know, they're very well known for, well, well, right now they're on a crusade against Russia and they've been apparently pretty successful with what they've managed to to uh, to compromise and release. Um and then you have a, a certain ransomware gangs which went into internal strife, like Conti, for instance, where they came out for Russia saying they would go after anyone who was supporting the Ukraine or helping the Ukraine fight Russia. And then uh, a few days later, something surfaced that showed that several people in the organization were Ukrainian and they didn't share the same viewpoint and now they had internal strife in the organization. So you, you can turn a for-profit organization uh, by dint of a specific issue into a cause organization where it then its cause is fighting itself. Do you think do you think we're witnessing the death of the secret? I'm writing a book at the moment about the psychology of secrets and where we're going with them. And obviously with what you've talked about with cyber warfare and also just, you know, from that being the macrocosm and then the microcosm being uh, the sex robots that are picking up what we're doing and saying, you know, between the sheets and everything. Are secrets on the wane? I think, you know, there will always be secrets depending upon what type of secrets. But in terms of normal everyday life, uh, you know, when when uh, Zuckerberg said uh, with Facebook that we're, we're witnessing the death of privacy, uh, if privacy is not dead, it's certainly on life support. And uh, when you're living in a surveillance economy, absolutely. I mean, you have a little spy sitting behind you in most cases, Alexa uh, or uh, Echo or, or, you know, Siri. I mean, I know people, and of course, everyone goes, nah, it's not possible. But people talk about something. Their phone is near them. They have never talked about it before. And all of a sudden on Instagram or Facebook, they're starting to see ads for whatever it was that they were talking about. When you said those three words, I should just say probably thousands of people just got annoyed at you because their machines just went like, hello, I'm Siri or whatever. I was doing an interview the other day or another podcast and it was a wedding podcast. I've now become like the wedding uh, circuit cyber guy. But, um, and I said like, for instance, Alexa, and all of a sudden the, the, uh, the host said, wait, wait, wait. And Alexa lit up and started talking and I, and she said, Alexa, stop. And it was like, do I have to? It's like, stop Alexa. So Alexa, make loads of noise for anybody. Anybody listening now on loudspeaker will have their, their Alexa coming into action. I mean, think about when you say to Alexa, Alexa, turn on this specific thing. And, and it's like, well, I need the password. So now don't worry, Alexa, here's the password. Now turn on the thing. Right. And it's it's becoming so natural with social media. Think about how crazy people get on social media and how much information they give away on social media uh, on a daily basis. Uh, in, in particular, you know, one of the most blatant examples is when they travel. You know, the whole concept is if you're concerned about your privacy and security, if you wish to share the memory, that's one thing. 
But if you're doing it real time, you're giving away two critical pieces of information. Where you are, so if someone's a stalker, they might be able to figure it, you could find you, and where you're not, which means if someone wants to burglarize your home, they think they got a pretty fair shot at it because they know where you are. There was even a site a few years ago, it may still exist, called pleaserobme.com, where they took some of the most outrageous examples of people oversharing on social media while they travel, and they put it on the website saying, well, if you don't care, then at least let's use it as an object lesson. Have you thought about as well, because I've been so obsessed with this idea of like secrets being found out in every which way. Um, there's also, I think, you're going to be able to read people's minds quite soon using computer technology. I've seen technology, quite incredible things where they show a brain and they get the guy or woman to watch TV and they can see what they're watching in their mind. So it's it's not too long. Well, we don't know. It might take 100 years until it's actually good enough, that, that technology, but until we can actually go into people's heads and get, get the information out. Well, have you, have you seen a very interesting new company has come to the fore and Steven Spielberg used this technology when he when he does documentaries on the Holocaust. And what they what they've done is they've interviewed Holocaust survivors and then using AI, for example, they come up with additional responses they would be making. And then people can ask someone a figure that would be an historical figure of one kind or another. And the figure talks to them. I mean, I, uh, I have a friend out here who has ALS. And about a year ago, he started working with them so that there would be something preserved in posterity while he was still able to speak. What is ALS? Oh, that's, that's the, it's the Lou Gehrig's disease. That's where you lose, you lose motor functions and eventually you can't speak, you can't walk, and then you pass away and it's like a three-year death sentence. I'm sorry to hear that about your friend. Yeah, no, it's, it was, it's a terrible thing. A young guy is in his just early 50s, two young children, a, new, a, new, a relatively new bride. And, uh, but this company called Storyfile is actually now uh, you know, taking this to the next level and making itself available uh, commercially as well. Uh, and because it really is, in one sense, how cool would it be to be able to talk to your father or your mother like 20 years after they're gone? This is a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> and get advice from them. Yeah, Black Mirror, that's correct. Have you seen that episode? There was a, that specifically happened. I believe that was one I did see. Yeah, it was, they brought the guy back and of, you know, by then they've got the technology to actually make it look like him. But she was obviously frustrated because it was all, she could tell it wasn't quite still him. It was, it was a composite of his memories you know, predicting how he might be. Yeah, there was one also, I think, with uh, Kevin Costner. I think it was called Criminal, uh, something like that. But there, you know, there have been a number of representations of that. But in one sense, it would be great to have dear old dad hanging around. I got a nine-year-old. I said, I don't know how much longer I'll be hanging out with you, so I'd love to figure out a way to hang out with you even longer. What a thing to say to your nine-year-old. <laughs> He's a, he's a very cool kid, so. Yeah, yeah. I said, listen, I may get taxidermied in the living room and point at you for the rest of your life, but other than that, you know, not to worry. How old are you now with your nine-year-old? Nine I'm 72. 72, okay, okay. Because my dad's approaching his 70s. I think he's 69. Just telling everyone about my dad on the podcast. And my sister's 40. Oh, she's just turned 15 now. But hopefully he won't be filling her mind with such morose thoughts. <laughs> But yeah, it is a thought, isn't it? Wow, that kind of thing. I don't know. I wouldn't like that. I, I, it would be wallowing, I think, uh, and, and I wouldn't be able to get over the, you know, you, you got to get over these things. But oh, I agree. I agree. You got to get over them. But you know, sometimes you'd say, "No, I'd love to. I'd love to know what my dad would think about this," because I always trusted his instincts. You know, I mean, I lost my dad. He was sixty-two when I passed away, and I was twenty-one. So, uh, you know, too soon. But, you know, the whole point is we are getting the capability of extending life on a medical level. And now through AI, we might be extending at least a representation of that life uh, for posterity. The, the world is going to be mad in 50 years. I can't even begin to imagine it. And so I guess, yeah, going back to 
you know, Russia and Ukraine and things like that. What What is war going to look like? Can any country really call itself an independent country when any other country has the secrets of its judges and its politicians and things like that? I think countries can strive to be independent and do everything they can to remain independent. But we are living in, a, again, a surveillance society, a surveillance economy, depending upon where you are in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, that like the, the Ukrainian people have shown the most amazing spirit. And I think they've, it's been miraculous with what they've managed to do, especially in light of the fact that at any minute, their critical infrastructure could be attacked, even at a more serious level, uh, resulting in uh, the financial system going down and not going down for a few hours is a warning, but flat out going down. Uh, or their command and control systems, or their communication systems, uh, or parts of their infrastructure, or the attack on the supply chain, which we've seen already in the world, supply chain attacks, like the Colonial Pipeline attack in the U.S., where they shut down for a period of time uh, the ability to get fuel uh, delivered to the East Coast, which sent people into a panic, or JBS, which was the huge meatpacking operation. You know, once you start playing in in food or in water or in the power grid or the uh, um, uh, you know anything to do with with uh, transportation systems traffic control systems air traffic control systems the list goes on and on I mean it is it's lethal and it it, it may not have the same horrifying results of a nuclear attack but in the long term, you can basically dismantle a country by shutting off the lights and shutting down the, the supply chain, things like that. So it's very scary. The whole concept of, of cybergeddon has been around for a while, but everybody thought that as countries gain and gain, again, more uh, uh, technological prowess, that we would end up in the same position we were with nuclear weapons, which was mutually assured destruction. Uh, and it is so, but the question is, if somebody moved first with cyber, could they significantly disable a country to the point where it would make it impossible for that country to fight back? More and more countries are, are girding themselves against that. But it's a real, it's, it's a reality. Oh my God, what a thought. Like suddenly, we wouldn't see it coming, would we? It would just be this call would just suddenly stop. That's it. Zzz what's going on people's podcast was so they'd be listening and suddenly it would stop and you go huh and you'd, you'd be you go oh it must be a problem with my phone or the computer and then gradually you know nobody else has got anything the whole the whole country that we're in or whatever wherever somebody's listened to this would just shut down wouldn't it and it would i mean how would you even find out that it was putin or or china or whoever you wouldn't even have a way of finding anything out well that's the, that's the issue shut down the communication systems like okay so if such a thing were to happen in the u.s what they would probably do is move to shut down a social media platform first and then everyone would rush from that platform to the other platforms they would then by de facto create denial of service attacks on those platforms and then they could they could move to shut down communication systems on 911 emergency systems there was a study by Ben-Gurion University in 2007 that said if you strung together 2000 like into a botnet 2000 cell phones you could bring down a 911 system in a state and if you uh, strung together uh, somewhere between 6 and 10,000 uh, digital devices, you might be able to shut down the the emergency systems throughout a country. What, just by overloading them? Overloading. Denial of service attacks. That's where there's just so much junk traffic that, because uh, it would, you know, it, you would keep calling and calling and calling and calling, and then everyone else would be trying to call, and you couldn't get through. No one could get through, which is how most people feel like when they're when their uh, Instagram account has been stolen and they try to communicate with Instagram, you got a better shot of universal peace than you do of getting through to a human being at Facebook or Instagram. Is that, it's so funny, isn't it? How, uh, I guess we assume that so much of this hacking is like this really elusive, uh, you know, we don't know about it. So we just assume it's this like alien language almost that's just like madness. We couldn't even possibly begin to understand it. And so often when I've heard it explained to me, it's like, yeah, it's just loads and loads of phones calling at once and that's it. 
It's it's funny, isn't it? Well, that's you know, there's the various ways that they do it, but it can be a denial of service attack. It can be, you know, I think, which is equally, if not more terrifying, a ransomware attack. And uh, what happens is somebody clicks on the wrong link, or somebody's credentials have been stolen as a result of a breach. Uh, one of the uh, continuing problems we have in the world, and it's ubiquitous is the fact that people have a tendency to use the same passwords across their universe of websites. Uh, many of them are dumb, like password, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or QWERTY, uh, but many of them are not so dumb. But what people don't understand is you can have the most sophisticated, indecipherable password on the planet, but if it's discovered as a result of a breach and you use it universally, uh, you're in trouble because they're going to use it to eventually brute force their way into something that means something to you, whether it's social media, your uh, sensitive financial information through your uh, bank accounts, credit card accounts, um, or um, other websites that are very important to you. So, And one of the ways you can find out how exposed you are is I'm sure you've heard of the website called Have I Been Pawned? Uh, but it's, So it would be Have I Been pwned.com where they they will show you how many times your email address or your password uh, or now your phone number is actually been exposed on the uh, on the dark web as a result of breaches but that feels like i'm then going to give them my they'll be like and yeah what was the password that you usually use and i'll be like oh here you are have i been pawned here's my password i want to see if people have been trying it and then they go ah we got you yeah well the the difference is these guys i mean law enforcement's involved they're involved it, it's it's pretty pretty secure and you can be very uh, circumspect about what you provide them i mean first of all your email address is pretty much out there everywhere and if you think about it half of the websites we use require you to use your email address as your user ID. Um, and, you know, for years it was your social insurance number or your social security number that would be your unique identifier. Today it's your, it's your mobile phone. Think about the fact that everywhere you go, everything you do, what's the first thing they ask you? What's your phone number? For two-factor authentication, what do most people use to, for the, the delivery of the second factor, which is the code? Their phones. Uh, and your phone number can be hijacked too, which is a, a problem. And it can be hijacked as simply as um, Andrew makes a phone call to somebody at the phone company and convinces them based on the information that he has as a result of stealing the information or buying it on the dark web that he's at him. And say, and Andrew says, I have a new phone number. I mean, I have a new device. I'd love to transfer my phone number. And they go, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, or people pay people off at mobile providers to the tune of like 50 bucks. And they can get access to people's information. They switch the number. And then when you're getting the code, which is part of multi-factor authentication, you're not getting it. They're getting it. Man, if I get ripped off, I want it to be for more than $50. I want somebody to have done it for like a million dollars. You know, if you got done for $50, it's not enough, is it? Uh, I wouldn't think so. We had a guy, uh, a very funny guy named Dan Hadoot, who was on our show, uh, What the Hack with Adam Levin. And he was talking about uh, that he was starting to get phone calls. He was a comedian, starting to get phone calls from friends saying, why is there really weird lyrics suddenly appearing on your website and crazy songs and everything else? So now he starts to get worried. He's driving. The phone rings. He answers it. He hears a voice going, hi, I'm your hacker. And it really was the guy who hacked him. And they have this long conversation. Turns out his hacker is like 13 years old. And he, he says to him, okay, listen, I really want my stuff back. You're obviously telling me that this is a ransomware attack. So what's it going to cost me? So the, the kid thinks about it for a minute. He goes, well, in light of your finances and your fame, I'll take a hundred bucks. He said, a hundred dollars? It was like a Woody Allen movie. It's like, that's all I'm worth is a hundred dollars? And then the kid starts looking at his different websites uh, while he's on the phone with him. And he goes, who, 
who's Falafel Phil? How do you have something about Falafel Phil, which is a Disney character in one of the TV shows? And he goes, well, because that's me. And the kid goes, you? That's, oh my God, you like made my childhood so happy. I was like, I love Falafel Phil. So Dan goes, does that mean I get my money back? And the kid said, no, but I tell you what, I, I'd like to be your friend. In fact, I'll even be your security guy. <laughs> so, Oh my God, what a story. Oh, that's great. Uh, right, I'm just, I want to put in my, ne- should I put my name into Have I Been Pawned now? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to put my email address in. Um, oh no, pawned. Pawned in one data breach and found no pastes. What what does that mean? That means they haven't found your information pasted anywhere because there are a lot of these websites where they do dump and paste. So someone got into my email, is that right? Well, no, it's that your email was in a database that was breached. Ah, okay, got it. See, and, and how how that helps people is if you see the data breaches that your information has been involved with, that would at least give you Hopefully, you'll remember which password went to which site, and you'll immediately change your passwords. But, you know, there's a bunch of things that that people can do to better protect themselves. Uh, When uh, Bo Friedlander, who's my co-host, and I, uh, we wrote the book uh, Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And we said, look, because this is a reality with all the information out there, how do you, just like we're learning to live with covid How do you live with the fact that you're exposed? So we came up with a a framework that we call the three M's. How do you minimize your risk of exposure or reduce your attackable service in a world with billions of Internet of Things devices and your surveillance economy? How do you monitor so you effectively know as soon as possible that you become a victim of something? And how do you manage the damage? And... uh, if I, if I might, if we have a few moments, I, I give you some of the, the tips. You know, first of all, password protocol, which means long and strong passwords, not shared across your universe of websites, probably more effective to get a password manager, one that you pay for, one that is multi-device, multi-platform, so that you don't have to, if you're on Safari and you're on Chrome, you don't have to try to figure out which one has it and then is it the right one for the other? No, just use a password manager, multi-platform, and it takes care of it. Uh, Two-factor authentication, not perfect, but better than nothing, additional layer of security. Never clicking on links or opening attachments unless A, you know who they're really from, and even then, they might have been duped So therefore, instead of clicking on a link or opening an attachment, go to the source if you don't want remorse. Go to the real website that this link was going to take you to. Be careful when someone sends you a cute cat picture because it could have malicious code in it that activates malware that's been sleeping in your computer, undetected, undetectable, that suddenly wakes up and now you've got a ransomware issue. It means um, not downloading apps that that don't come from like the Apple Store or Google Play. And even with Google Play, there have been some issues. And before you download an app, read reviews. Because one thing's for sure, if somebody's unhappy with something, they get loud. If they think it's a scam, they get louder. And a lot of people in unison, it's like a cacophony of voices took me a while to actually get that word out. But anyway, so, you know, apps, don't overshare on social media. And if you are going to overshare on social media, when you set up security uh, questions and answers, lie like a superhero. Don't tell them, you, you know, at, as an, an answer, they say, what's your mother's maiden name? Don't say gold, say Smith. Um, they ask you what high school you went to. Don't tell them Northridge High, tell them Sky High. The key thing is don't be so creative you can't remember those answers when you're asked the questions. Um, And remember, those websites are not conducting uh, background investigations as if you're getting a security clearance. All they care about is your answer is consistent with the answer you originally provided. 
uh, that, that means use a virtual private network if you're out there in the world and there's free Wi-Fi. Make sure you're on a VPN and try as best you can to find a secure uh, network to go on to. But if you get a virtual private a VPN, make sure that you're paying for it so that you're not the product. The, you know, when you pay for VPNs, the, the chance that they're just gathering your information at the VPN level is, is muted. Um, also, freeze your credit. Certainly in the U.S., you can absolutely freeze your credit, and it's free now. And when you freeze your credit, that means no one, including you, can gain access to your credit without the, without the PIN number. Uh, that means um, shred and not a ribbon cut shredder. We saw what happens to a ribbon shredded document in the movie Argo, uh, but a crosscut shredder, uh, which they can't tape back together again. So that's the, the first M. The second M, much shorter, how do you monitor? Well, I, you know, I can't answer worldwide, but I can say that in the U.S. it's get, it, get your credit report, read it, look for what you didn't do. And don't think it's a mistake if you see something on there that is something you didn't do. You got to get loud. You got to call the fraud department of the reporting agency. That means track your credit scores. If they take a sudden precipitous drop, it could be because you didn't pay a bill, you're using too much of your credit, or you're a victim of identity theft. That means you sign up for what's called transaction alerts, which I believe are available worldwide, that anytime there's any activity in your bank or your credit card account, that activity is then reported back to you. And that's because billions of credit and debit cards are sold on the dark web by zip code in an effort to avoid bank tracking systems. That means when you get an explanation of benefit statement from your health insurer, read it. It may not be you. Uh, we had a case with a woman, 72-year-old grandmother in upstate New York, on the same day, opposite sides of the country, two insurance companies uh, bill, were billed by laboratories for a sperm viability test and a pregnancy test. Clearly it wasn't her, but someone got her information. Uh, there's a story of someone walked into the office of a hospital administrator, threw both legs up on his desk, and she said, do I look like a double amputee to you? He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, someone had a double amputation in your hospital based on my information because I just got the bill. Wow. Imagine those people get about to be amputated and then scrambling to get the money. I mean, that speaks to, you know, there's a whole other conversation, but the, the healthcare system in America, you know, if you need an amputation or something, I, to me, that's mad that you've, if you can't pay for it, you just die. Yeah. And, that, and that's that's the problem. And with identity stolen and bills run up at medical institutions and providers, and then your credit's destroyed. So, you know, this happens. Also, you know, get more sophisticated form of monitoring that have dark web monitoring. What's going on in the dark web with your information, and particularly your social security number, uh, or the what they call instant notification, which is not, hey, Andrew, about three months ago, somebody opened an account in your name. It's Andrew, someone's about to open an account in your name. Is it you? Yes or no? Right? So that's important. And the third M, how do you manage the damage? Well, more and more worldwide, uh, insurance companies, uh, many financial institutions, and employers are offering programs to help people through identity incidents. And in some cases, it's free as a perk of your relationship, or it's deeply discounted, or you have to pay, but you know what? Whatever you have to pay is nothing compared to the agony you will go through and the money you will expend putting your life back together again if you're a victim. Uh, well, this, is, this is sound advice. The only thing is I'm wondering with regards to the passwords, I mean, firstly, it is just so hard to remember them all. So I've got at the moment, basically, my, my browser just suggests these mad ones and I'm just like, okay, fine, whatever. So firstly, I want to. I've got two questions here. One could could someone just hack into that? Presumably, and you talked about password managers. You can have. You can pay for an app or whatever. There's pass. Couldn't someone hack into that? And then they've got all your passwords at once. And the second thing I want to ask is, why don't they just do it all nowadays with facial recognition and thumbs and stuff? Or can that also be tampered with? Well, if if there is a repository, and now 
with thumbs and things like that, normally it's held in the device itself. It's not in a central database. There has been some concern, like for instance, for voice print technology, that if a company were to accumulate an entire inventory of, of voice prints, you know, it would, it would enable them to do deep fake audios because they would already have the voice prints that they could then use for that. Um, with these, uh, like a password manager, for instance, versus the password save browser, because again, you'll have platform issues depending upon uh, the browser. Uh, but with password managers, even, and there have been a couple that have been hacked, but they found that the level of encryption is so high that the passwords were impossible to crack. Nobody could even see the passwords. It was just a string of, of numbers and algorithms. So um, for the most part, they're very, very safe. And it's a lot better than us trying to figure out what they are or doing a sticky on our computer that if someone broke into our house, they would have access to all the passwords. And then you have people who store passwords in plain text on their computer uh, in a file. And if someone really takes the time to look for it, they can find it. I mean, how many breaches have you heard where the company was breached because they didn't encrypt the password information? Um, you also have a dynamic going on in the world today because everyone is working from home. Um, th their devices are subject to uh, uh, greater vulnerability because their kids may use them, other members of the family may use them, they may browse, they may click on the wrong link, and suddenly they ended up bringing down their company simply because their kid was on there. You know, kids are awesome, but they can also be weapons of mass destruction when it comes to, to cyber uh, within a family because they just don't know. And that's why finally there, there are companies now developing programs to teach kids from a very young age in, in a form that they will understand that's kid-friendly. Um, everything they need to know about computers and viruses and passwords and also who to trust online because a lot of kids are getting groomed online uh, and and also teaching them why they shouldn't want to be a cyber bully tell us where tell us a little about your podcast and where people can you know obviously they can find it in the podcast place but tell us a bit about it oh great well it's it's what the hack with adam levin it's available wherever people get their podcasts it's, it's for, for those people who remember Car Talk on NPR, we're kind of like Car Talk for Cyber, which was, it was a show ostensibly about cars, but it was more about the insanity of the hosts and how much fun that people had, you know, with the hosts. So there are three of us, uh, uh, my, my co-author for Swipe, Bo Friedlander, who's a, a really funny guy, who's a great writer, uh, uh, Travis Taylor, who's our uh, technology wizard, and and me, who I think of myself as a, let's say, a cybersecurity anchorman. Uh, and, you know, we talk about whatever the issues of the day, we have a lot of fun, and then we bring on a guest, someone who is experienced, like we had talked about earlier with poor Dan and his crazy 13-year-old uh, 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 hacker. But we've had people on talking about uh, where they were victimized by catfishing scams, where we had a CIO of a company that suffered a ransomware attack, but they were able to beat it back, uh, to uh, the former chief of staff of the Secret Service talking about some of the really uh, crazy cases that he's been involved with. And uh, it's really designed to be a shame-free zone where people can come on, talk about uh, what they experienced, how they were either successful in avoiding it or how they fell for it. And it's really supposed to be kind of helping them have a bit of a catharsis, make them feel better about it, understanding that it's going to happen to all of us and at one time or another. And the more we know, the more we share, the more we can help each other, uh, the safer we'll all be. And, uh, and we've had a lot, a lot of fun with the podcast and it's been growing nicely. And, uh, and we look forward to expanding it dramatically over the next few years in terms of number of days of the week and things like that. But it's a, it's a fun and it's a worthwhile show and I, I hope people will come. And then the site that is our sort of billboard site is adamlevin.com where we have a lot of information about scams and 
identity theft and all the things that people uh, need to be aware of. Well, Adam Levin, you've been on the edge. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for inviting me to stand on the edge. (laughs) (laughs) On the precipice. You came for Maroon 5 and Andrew Gold, the singer, and you stayed for the cybercrime information. I hope that was useful or at least interesting and fun. You'll get plenty more of that kind of entertainment and intrigue on Adam's podcast, What The Hack. Go check that out now and follow him on at Adam underscore K underscore Levin on Twitter. Come watch the YouTube version with the video at 9pm UK time. That's 4pm Eastern, 1pm Pacific time. We'll chat together in the sidebar. That's every Monday and Thursday night. The video goes out in the evening. I chat with everyone. Just make sure not to give out your password. Hey, see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>